Hi, I'm currently in the waters of the Atlantic Ocean. I thought it fitting to record the intro and outro while struggling to swim. Welcome to a new episode of Second Chance Cinema. This is episode 16 of our second season. Fair warning, there's cursing and our hosts do spoil movie endings. But if you have listened to the 40 episodes preceding this one, you should know that already. Enjoy the show. The future. The polar ice caps have melted, covering the earth with water. Those who survived have adapted to a new world. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this soaking wet edition of Second Chance Cinema. I am one of your hosts, MC. With me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Spro. Spro, how are you? Ahoy, land lover. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Good job. Good job. We're getting the people excited about this one. We are here today to talk about one of the most quizzical and intriguing movie stories probably of all time. And I don't mean the plot. I mean the story of the movie, its production, its release, and its legacy, Waterworld. This movie was not one that I certainly had considered once at the beginning of you know the generation of the ideas for this podcast. It was suggested to us, um, and Spro, you know a little bit more about this, by a listener, if you can believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, every show, we tell you guys how to get a hold of us through our Facebook group, through Twitter, through Instagram, through our emails. It's all at the bumper at the end of the show. And our listener, Jackson Boren, decided to write in. He gave us a whole list of films, some of which I agree with. There was... So he recommended Scream 2. I'm going to be honest. I am not a fan of Scream 2. I oh, think man. one of the worst. Were you a fan? No, no, no. I was just saying, I was just omanning at the fact that like you're coming out of the gate right at Jackson Boring. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, Scream 2, they killed off Randy. And I think killing off Randy was probably the worst thing that they could have done for the Scream was franchise. Was that uh, Jamie, because, Jamie Kennedy? Yeah. Yeah. So who was the one horror expert and two, kind of like the guy that the audience was looking at for answers, right? Like, what rule are they breaking? What's going on? Like, what should I know for this movie? And once they killed him, it was kind of like, oh, now we're just going to go into Scream 3 and nobody's going to know what they're doing. Do you want to just ad lib and do this episode about Scream 2? Do you want to just... Like dive right into that. No, I did not like Scream. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. Uh, so there was two movies on his list that were like. Well, there was actually three movies. One movie we're gonna save for season three because we're actually right now wrapping up season two with a couple that's more right. episodes. Alien three we will reserve for season three, and the other one that we'll reserve for season three because uh, Jeremy also wanted to talk about this movie was Sudden Death. Okay, so those were two that Jackson recommended what we are covering today is Waterworld. So Jackson, all in all, uh, to sum up, thank you for the recommendation. Watching this movie was a genuine treat because like I said at the beginning, this movie is tainted by just sort of all the things that aren't the movie like its budget its release its 
ambition. It's a movie that's really bigger than itself. And it suffered because of that. And if you're able to peel back the layers of that salty, mean onion, um, you get to this really great adventure film that takes place in a vivid and just really colorful, self-contained universe, I think. And I really enjoyed it. And it's still topical. Like, it's amazing that not anybody has really touched this post-apocalyptic world where all the polar ice caps melt and we're all stuck underneath water. Like this is, I think once a week we hear about climate change and the polar, you know, like the the ice caps melting and us sinking every week. This explores it still. And it's almost been 30 years. It's been, what, 26 years since this movie came out. So the fact that we don't even have a Netflix show out right now that's Waterworldy is amazing. Oh, man, that's exactly what I was thinking when I watched it. Like, this would be, like, if Cobra Kai can come back and be as successful as it was, granted this movie was not as revered as the Karate Kid franchise, I feel like a Waterworld series, I mean, it's got potential. Based on the movie, I think it's got potential. And, um... Well, here's another thing Yeah, that I don't, I don't like, I feel like we're bringing like the end of the show to the forward, but I'm excited. All right. <laughs> and the other thing that I want to throw out there is, so when they were writing Waterworld, right, they were looking at kind of like a different take on Mad Max. Mad Max was all set in the desert. Right. Um, this one, one was going to be all set in the water. One of the writers of Waterworld was one of the writers on Mad Max Fury Road. Now, of I think course. of Frank Miller taking over a Waterworld reboot. Like, how exciting would that be? Great idea. Like I Mad mean... Max Fury Road, Waterworld. Waterworld <laughs> Fury River. <laughs> Fury Tributary Waterworld. <laughs> Waterworld Fury Delta. I would tune in for that. <laughs> So, all right, before we get into the discussion, let's go ahead and you know what I was thinking before we even sign on tonight? This is a very kind of a sentimental episode of Second Chance Cinema because we're back to basics. It's just me and you, the guys who started this whole thing. And this is what we did for a long time before we got guest co-hosts who were actually <laughs> interested in coming on, just me and you. Um, so this yeah. is a very kind of, you know, this is a, like I said, a back to basics edition of Second Chance Cinema. And one of the things that we established early on in Second Chance Cinema was the Wheel of Poetry. The Wheel of Poetry is a spinning random wheel, think Wheel of Fortune, that has on it five different types of quote-unquote poetry. They're not all technically poetry, but they're all some degree of verbal expression. To list them off, they are haiku, A-B-A-B rhyme, limerick, toast slash roast, song parody. So what we're going to do is we're going to spin the wheel at random, and it's going to land on one of the types of poetry. And we're going to have the duration of the trailer to compose whatever we land on and and basically flaunt the greatness of this movie in those words. You got the wheel set up? Yeah. All right. You go ahead and spin it. Limerick. This has been a. I think this has been a while since we've done a limerick. Now, limerick. For those of you who don't know, it's 
a rhyming poem where the let's see the first how's it go think of there once was a man from nantucket so it's the first second the first second and fifth lines rhyme and then the third and fourth lines rhyme right it's like a a b b a yes that's exactly what it is so limerick okay so uh spro go ahead play the trailer and we're gonna get to limericking okay <laughs> here is the trailer for wilder world 1995 <laughs> future. The polar ice caps have melted, and the earth lies beneath a watery grave. Those who survive have adapted to a new world. What did you see out there in the 15 lunars? Such as? An end? An end to all this water? You're asking the wrong person. If you weren't there. So what's the word? We trading or not. And the human dream is the search for a mystical place called dry land. It doesn't exist. How can you be sure? Because I sailed farther than most have dreamed. I've never seen it. This place, this whole way of living, it's ending. Straight line leading directly. Directly to dry land? Dry land is not just our destination, but it is our destiny! Universal Pictures presents a world unlike any you have ever seen. Dennis Hopper, Gene Triplehorn. Waterworld. Holy shit, dude. That was a great trailer. That reminded me of like July 4th a little bit. Like I felt like I was listening to like the fireworks go off. Well, yeah. It was just like the bump, bump, bump. And I was like, <clears> oh man. That was a good trailer, though. Like, you think, I mean, so this was 1995. I'm trying to think of, we would have been like 13, 14. What is that? Seventh grade? Eighth grade-ish? I feel like I feel like the premise of this movie, the polar ice caps melting and the world being submerged underwater, I feel like that might have been a bit lofty for us as seventh graders. I feel like if they would have couched it as just like, hey, here's a guy with gills and he's a superhero or whatever, that might have been a little bit more our speed. And now I think we watch it in a different frame of reference. What do you think? Well, when did when did we start talking about the polar ice caps melting and everything? Because I don't really remember us talking about climate change. And of course, like I said, we were young at that time, but not till Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth in 2006. Like I felt like that's kind of what took the lid off the Pringles can of Here Comes the Apocalypse. I remember, honestly, God, I can't remember the name of the show. It was like a ripoff of Rescue 911. And it was basically catastrophic predictions and what would happen. So one of them was... I'm pretty sure it was the polar or at least one of the polar. I don't know. Are there more than one polar ice cap? I should know that, but I don't No. It was some sort of catastrophic event 
where ice would melt and it would change the gravity of the planet and the planet would tip to one side. And I remember them saying that that was going to happen on May 5th, 2005. So I'm a little kid watching this and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I'm trying to figure out if my parents are still going to be alive by then because I feel like I'm going to want to run into my mom's arms when the world tips over. And I'm like, oh my God. And I remember thinking that like that was going to happen. So this movie, and that must have been around probably like 95, 94, something like that. So I feel like this movie might have been ahead of its time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it might have been too early. Like, yeah, we were like starting to notice it. And probably somebody was like, let's envision the world that we're all starting to talk about now. But I feel like now or maybe even like maybe five years ago in like, you know, the Obama administration, this would have been perfect to kind of revisit is this is this is what the world will be like. Well, it's because, the day, you know, it's, the, it's our, the day after tomorrow, right? Yeah. I mean, the day after tomorrow was basically this. It was a climate shift caused by uh, humans, really, caused by our neglect of the planet. And it didn't tip the world on its side or flood the world with water, but it caused, you know, devastating winter storms and snow and ice and all that stuff. Ice that actually chased people. It caused that. <laughs> Sentient ice <laughs> was, was the enemy in um, The Day After Tomorrow. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, ahead of its time, like, I feel like maybe this was back, man, this was back before Facebook, before Twitter, before misinformation was so easily accessible. This movie was definitely grasping at a concept that I don't think our brains were mature enough to handle. Is this like, is there only like two kinds of dystopian futures? Is it like desert or water? No, I mean, I think... Or zombies, I guess. Sky? <laughs> Wasn't the fifth element kind of sky? Like, it was all atmospheric? Uh, Although yeah, that and I guess necessarily... Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. Well, Ready Player One was, like, slums and stuff like that. I think that's... Yeah, I suppose there's dystopian, like, city movies and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, you're dystopian, you usually go to desert or water or some combination of the two, I think. Let's read our poetry. All right. You want to go first? All right. Sure. There once was a man from the sea. He was alone but not lonely he found a child with a tattoo a woman came along too and he threw them both off the boat to sink wait a minute lonely sea and sink don't rhyme sink <laughs> oh are you are you bending the word slim shady so yeah. did it all right <laughs> and he enough. threw them off the boat to sink <laughs> all right all right that works that works it, this looks like okay. a job for me all right um <laughs> I thought we were going to go to the same place because my first line, well, here, I'll read it. There once was a man lost at sea. Survival was hard as can be. Conditions were stinky on the mariner's dinghy, which is why he guzzled his pee. (laughs) So much better. That works on a couple levels, right? Because dinghy is um, slang for wiener. So anyway. I did think about Waterworld recently because... Was it The Last Jedi? I think it was The Last Jedi where they like people God, I threw don't such a hissy fit. I don't that, like, know. That like Mark or Luke Skywalker drank blue milk. And I was like, man, that reminds me of when everybody was like, Kevin Costner drank his own pee. Well, let's talk about that because that's the moment. That's the only thing people remember from this movie is Kevin Costner drinking his pee. That's like the I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse moment of this movie. And granted, it was a an interesting choice um, based on what I've read, completely scientifically inaccurate um, <laughs> and impossible. But it was the start of the movie. It was the first scene 
2018, if I'm not mistaken. And like, like I wonder if that was such a huge disservice that it got people talking about the wrong things. Yeah, maybe. Because you think about it, like a lot of these adventure movies and whatnot, you don't even think like maybe after the fact you go, when did they go to the bathroom? You know, because Christopher Nolan, right? He just did Dunkirk. And Uh one of the things that he was super proud of was that he showed soldiers shitting in the sand because he's like, that's what had to happen. They had to just go where they were. And it's like, yeah, I guess like, but why are you so fascinated with that? It's kind of like what's going on here. Like we didn't really ever have to know that Kevin Costner drank his own pee. Like that might've been like an after the fact thought like, oh, I wonder what water they drank. Is everybody drinking their own pee? Like, are they selling it at Gene Triplehorn's let's. So the technology that Kevin Costner developed, I'm assuming, I'm assuming he didn't go to like, like Watermart (laughs) to buy a pee purifier or whatever. I'm assuming that the, 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 the technology that he invented to filter his own pee into drinking water could have been used on seawater. No, I feel like that would have been way easier. I'm thinking of like, um, what Spider-Man was Doc Ock in? Spider-Man 2, where the tritium that he uses to power his giant sun or whatever is the rarest element on the planet. There's only like 15 pounds on the planet. I'm thinking of Kevin Costner in that sense. Like he's only got a pee. Like how does he even pee if he's only drinking his pee? He has to, he, he can't produce more pee than he drinks. So I'm thinking like, why didn't he spend all of his energy trying to convert ocean water into drinking water? Like, why didn't he take well, that, is that Don't you just boil the ocean water and then collect the steam because the salt doesn't right. boil? Yeah, you bo- I mean, that's that's what we learned in physical science class. <laughs> I mean, but uh, did they have fire in this movie? I don't remember. I know they had dirt, which was rare. I don't remember if they had fire. But yeah. I mean, I mean they had gun, gun, gun fire. Gunfire. So, yeah. so you would assume gunpowder or some something something combustible mm-hmm. and you would think that like i mean for a guy w- who's evolved to the point where he has fucking gills underneath his ears you'd think that that dude would be like wait a minute i have a whole ocean full of this stuff i only pee once every three days let's give this a shot i mean i don't know that was my point <laughs> being that 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 was such a random scene in the movie that was largely inconsequential but somehow defined that movie well i'm glad that this movie got put back on our radar because i think i did what everybody did was i heard listen to how and actually it wasn't until researching the film i remember it being the most expensive film ever made right, right. Like they made yep. such a big point of that this was before i was really paying attention like i didn't realize that before the film came out they were talking about how over budget it was how there was so much you know like going wrong on set how people were walking off it like i didn't realize that it was a shit show and they were like advertising that it was a shit show before the movie even came out. So what happened was I did see it in the theater and really I didn't remember anything going on with my life. Like I saw it once. I was like, yeah, that probably doesn't deserve being a hundred to $175 million. And I went on with my life and probably like next year, I think independence day came out and then Mm -hmm. disaster movies like took on a whole new meaning, but I'm glad now that we were able to revisit it because there was so much to this movie that like was unlocked in my subconscious. Like I forgot that he had gills. I forgot that he had webbed feet. I forgot that uh, Dennis Hopper had an eye pop out. There, all done. Now, there may be some small problem in depth perception. Well, it better not screw up my short game. Well, Looks good. Yeah, I like it better than you realize. Much better. What do you say, Toby? The truth. Looks like shit. 
That's why I love children, no guile. <laughs> it does look like shit. Like, I forgot, Jean Triplehorn just gets naked in front of, you know, like, tries to offer herself for the life of the... I forgot everything about this movie, and I was like, you know what? This shit's pretty entertaining. (laughs) I mean, it was... I'm on board with this ride. The big thing about this movie was that, you're right, at the time, it was the most expensive movie ever made. And because of that, I feel like people people did the thing where it was like, oh, I'm going to root against it no matter what. You know, like, there's always that, you know, shitty teenager who's like, oh, I want the bad guy to win, you know, like when you're a teenager and 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 you don't understand the nuances of a villain, there's always that kid who doesn't know why, but he's still like, oh, I want the bad guy to win because everybody wants the good guys to win. And I don't know why, but I want the bad guy to win. <laughs> I feel like there were a lot of people doing that thing with this movie because the, the narrative was just that it became so over budget and the gossip became so inflated. And that, again, like the P overshadowed the actual movie. Right. Yeah. And like nowadays, so, you know, talking about money now and what they're spending on films the most expensive film ever made do you know what it is i remember for a while i used to always um counter people with evan almighty it was that for a while um <laughs> now i don't, would it be one of the avengers movies maybe close so avengers comes in second oh avatar uh no pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides is the most expensive at 379 million dollars and did that make so, money? Uh, that I don't know. 2011, probably. in the long, But who knows now with Disney and, and everything is kind of tied to one another. And then there's the ride. You know, like it's mm-hmm. all, you, we'll never know anymore. Like right. I have, so I took a UCLA class. And in one of my classes, there was a man from France. His name was Pierre. He <laughs> said um, in France, they don't go by box office dollars. They go by tickets sold. And I was like, that makes so much more sense because one, inflation is always going to ruin things. And two, um, what a movie costs in <coughs> one neck of the woods, like a movie in New York is like $20 a ticket, where if it's on the uh-huh. second run theater in Bakersfield, it's going to be $4 a ticket, right? That's a good, good, so, very but, good point. Yeah. So like, I like that system a whole lot better. We're never going to do it because it's America and we're obsessed with dollar amounts. But yeah, you got Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides is number one at $379 million, And then the next four or next three are Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War. And then it's Pirates of the Caribbean again tied with Justice League. Look at so, that. Evan Almighty didn't even break the top five. No. And really, Waterworld and Evan Almighty don't break, I think, like the top 50 anymore. I'm looking. I know oh, I'm Waterworld sure. does I'm it. sure. I'm sure. I mean, every shitty superhero or action movie is plus 200 million. So that's, yeah. I mean, this was almost 30 years ago. So we're not like taking inflation and, and Waterworld does show up as the 12th most expensive movie of all time. Okay. And so what, this was my question when I was watching it. Why was it so expensive? One thing that they did that they were told not to do by Steven Spielberg because of his horrible experiences when it came to Jaws is they filmed on open water mm-hmm. and open water is unpredictable. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, you want like a big tank and everything like that. So I feel like, like they built all these things out on the water. Like all the sets were pretty, were mostly practical to scale. And so I think that's where a lot of the budget went. But like still, I mean, you build a set 
on a Hollywood backlot, it's the same size as the set would be in open water. So wouldn't it cost the same except for jet ski fuel? If, if, if what you're saying is true, maybe insurance, maybe insurance is higher because there's uh, a, a greater degree maybe. of like drowning. I mean, were there any, um, like, did any of the sets get wrecked or anything like that being out at sea? I can imagine. I mean, so like I said, on the most expensive films ever made, Titanic is number six, which would deal with some of the same stuff, right? Did they shoot that in actual open water? Yeah. So I know for a fact that Titanic, because you used to be able to visit the Titanic set off of the coast of Mexico, because hmm. that they like kept the boat there and everything. I don't know if you still can. Waterworld was filmed off of the coast of Hawaii. So that's another thing probably is that they, I don't think Hawaii really had the production, anything, you know, of production value at that time to host such a big movie. So they probably had to fly in or ship in all the materials to even start filming where they did. Where, you know, if they filmed like <clears> off <throat> of the Catalina Islands of Los Angeles, then <laughs> they might have had been able to save themselves some budget. It's, I mean, we're putting the pieces together, but again, like if you think of the set pieces, if I recall, I mean, the main set piece was like this big, there were two giant set pieces, this big like amphitheater, which was like, I don't know, it was like a thieves gatherers marketplace kind of thing. If I recall where he, he goes where he first meets Gene Triplehorn and the little girl, there's a lot of stuff that happens there. And then later in the movie, the Exxon Valdez, which I thought was pretty cool that they were able to appropriate that historical event as like. Like, oh, here's where it washed up and now it's the bad guy's hideout. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I wonder if they were to do it again today with CG. Maybe they could remake Waterworld like on a budget. I feel like they can. The remains of human civilization live on ramshackle floating communities known as atolls. Atolls, An atoll, are, sometimes yeah. known as a, I'm looking at the definition, An atoll, sometimes known as a coral atoll is a ring-shaped coral reef, including yeah. a coral rim that That's encircles it a lagoon. Yeah. It, was like a, it was like a man-made reef. That's what it was. Atoll, yeah. So yeah. It, it didn't have a name, like like um, at the end they were looking for dry land, which was the name of you know the island that was supposed to be free of water. So yeah, they were just, and you were led to believe that there were many of these throughout the sea, and that if you stopped in certain ones, you were able to get certain goods and all that. That kind of stuff and without showing all that i mean they created this really cool mythology that seems like was just overshadowed by all this bullshit that people were insistent about gossiping over right well and here's the other thing about Waterworld. like if we're going to talk about world water world the netflix series all these atolls that they have to like find and whatnot that could be the you know you you find a star trek writer right mm -hmm. who's mm -hmm. used to like these could just be little worlds floating around the sea that people have to visit and discover and maybe discover that they're enemies or you go to this atoll and they're like oh my gosh like we just lost somebody just kidnapped our witch doctor and then the next episode is all you know trying to hunt this guy down from this other area like it's mm -hmm. there's no reason why this concept didn't work and it, it it does work like with the performances that they give you dennis hopper is great in this movie so um, let's talk let's talk about dennis hopper yeah. because was this his first film after speed Let's see so, yeah speed 94 yeah, and water world 95 he did a couple of like tv movies but yeah it was speed and then it was this i mean he was uh well what's the line from speed i'm not crazy jack i'm eccentric no poor people are crazy jack i'm eccentric <laughs> 
poor people are crazy. I'm eccentric. Um, and he was he was definitely eccentric in this movie, which he was a good villain. You know, like he was this crazy, weird guy with an eye patch who was determined to loot and pillage, which is what you do if you're a pirate in Waterworld. He had all of his minions. There was the scene on the Exxon Valdez where he was sort of like appealing to the crowd and riling up the crowd. And if I recall, wasn't he all just like full of bullshit while he was doing that? He was telling them like, we're close to dry land or something like that. So which way are we rolling? I don't have a goddamn clue. <laughs> don't worry. They'll roll for a month before they figure out I'm faking it. But, um, what? what? Oh, you want details. Well, I'm not telling these savages that we haven't solved the map yet. And I promise them results and I'll get him if I got to cut him out of her goddamn back. Anyway, he was a liar. He was a um, conniving sneak. I mean, he was a good villain. He wasn't an overpowering, like superhuman, strong, hulking villain. He was a believable villain in this world. Yeah. The writers and the, you know, and Kevin Costner and everything, like they pulled it off. Like it is absolutely Mad Max on water. And Dennis Hopper is a Mad Max villain. Like he could be in Tupac Shakur's California love video. Like it's just. <laughs> I like that you um, I love that you didn't say he could be in Mad Max. You said he could be in the California love video. <laughs> <laughs> he's that good <laughs> he he's, could hold his own alongside dr dre in thunderdome <laughs> but this was so the other thing that i think was happening at this time like we talk about how this was the most expensive film ever made and people just want to shit on that like anything that shines let's try to like remove the luster but this was kevin costner was like blowing up at this time right like he had jfk mm-hmm. he had field of dreams mm-hmm. dances with wolves for which he won like the academy awards robin hood prince of thieves was 91 body guard 92 like he was just blowing up and then he's like this is my next project and it goes over budget and people are like well kevin castor's star had to fall at some point you know and i feel like this is people expose themselves with this movie and everybody just took their shot with it because even the wikipedia right now on kevin costner says he starred in and co-produced Waterworld, the most expensive film ever made at the time which was a box office disappointment which is not necessarily true if the budget was 175 million or 172 million, depending where you look, the box office was 264.2 million, mm-hmm. which means they made almost 100 million. If that's a dis- if making 100 million dollars is a disappointment, like uh, my mom must be super disappointed in me. <laughs> I mean that 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 I mean we all know that making 100 million dollars, quote unquote, isn't the same as making 100 million dollars because of marketing, because of other stuff that's not as black and white but again like if you were presented with an opportunity sight unseen to see the most expensive movie ever made isn't that a little bit enticing like doesn't that make you wonder like i'm curious about this like what what could this be i've never before seen the most expensive movie ever made i'm in let's check it out didn't we kind of do it with avatar like was it like james cameron's been working on this for 20 20 years and he's finally got the stuff to do it and then we all went and we went ah it's pocahontas if i (laughs) can if i can be frank i i hated avatar i (laughs) i saw avatar in the theater i don't remember if it was 3d but saw it in the theater as you're supposed to do and came out just like like underwhelmed is the word because you're right it was it was certainly cool visually engaging 
but it was not the best movie I've ever seen. By far, it was not the best movie I've ever seen. And the budget really had nothing to do with that, which is kind of the opposite of Waterworld, which I feel like, and which we're arguing here, is an engaging story, an engaging world, which I suppose Avatar, I mean, Avatar was kind of corny in the sense of like, my favorite part of Avatar is Giovanni Ribisi. Shout out to our first show, Boiler Room. But he he's, he plays, of course, the, the weaselly corporation guy who's trying to mine the sacred mountains or the sacred trees or whatever they are for an element called unobtainium, which you lost me right there. Like, I was just like, fuck this. I, I'm going to stay for the movie because I paid for it, but I'm thinking about other things. So, and there's, there's a part where he's like, this is, this is unobtainium. It's $8 million a kilo. I mean, it made a, made as well have called it like, this is hard, hard as shit to get him. You know, you can't find it anywhere. <laughs> this is, this is rarium. Do you get what I'm saying? And it's just like that story, which people have, of course, compared to, I think, Dances with Wolves, elements, like you said, Pocahontas. I mean, all these just tried and true stories, whereas Waterworld, yes, it borrowed from the Mad Max architecture, but the whole world that was created, I feel like was bigger than that simple story. Well, let's talk about, so what did we like, what did we like about Waterworld? Like, I think one of the top things that now sticks out to me is you have this protagonist who's called the Mariner, Mm -hmm. um, played by Kevin Costner, who's got webbed feet and gills. And he is a true character. Like they, they don't Hollywoodize him, which you would think it's not, he's not Captain America, you know, like he's not going to do everything right. I think when he's like pissed off at the child and throws her overboard because she's drawing on his Mm -hmm. boat, I'm like, yes, like that's exactly what he probably would do. You know, like those kind of character choices in this movie, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is yeah no i told that's exactly what he would do and it's up to the audience to kind of be like well do we forgive him you know like it's not this type of like we're going to paint this all out for you because we think the audience is dumb like it's it's come with us on this ride and you know what's the year it's like 2500 Uh ad like these people are different and you're just gonna have to like join us you've been there haven't you Dry land? You know where it is. Yeah, I know where it is. Oh. And, uh, and we're going? You and I are. Kid, we've got to pitch over the side. What? My boat's tore up. I'm taking on water. I'd be lucky to get half a hydro ration out of that. Yeah, uh, I said I won't drink. For 12 days? No, it's better one of you dies now than both of you die slow. Wait, wait. You saved your life. We got you out. No, you got me out so you could get out. Or even. She can cook. She can fish. So can I. Take my necklace. Take my necklace. I got better ones below. No, look. You're right. There was there was there was the romantic chemistry between him and Gene Triplehorn, Helen, which in 20, you'd think by the year 2500, they would have sort of weaned off the name Helen, but whatever. 
There's no hero shot of him standing tall atop like the body of Dennis Hopper or him taking his shirt off in the sunset or him, you know, like like in Bad Boys, Will Smith running down the street with his shirt open or whatever. Like he's this he he really could give a shit about most of the stuff that's going around for most of the movie. When he goes down into the water and he comes up with just dirt, you know, like he he shows you the world that he can see that nobody else can see. That was one of the coolest parts of a movie I've seen in a long time when they go underwater and they see the remnants essentially of civilization and they're all the buildings that are like half collapsed or whatever but you recognize all these landmarks and things like that they try <laughs> remember they did that in um, Escape from LA which sadly I don't <laughs> think will make it on Second Chance Cinema but there's a part <laughs> where Snake Plissken like his little tiny um, escape dinghy goes underwater and he goes through Universal Studios and like Somehow the Jaws mechanical shark still works and it almost bites him and like he goes past the Hollywood sign and all this bullshit. But this movie, like like there it was cool to see underwater the nod to the world that at the time we were living in. Yeah. Well, and then it also kind of made complete sense. So like the movie starts, the most expensive thing almost that you could have is dry dirt. Like he uses it to buy a whole bunch of things, right? That was the commodity. Um, Right. And then you you know, they slowly start unfolding the story of him and his character with the gills and the webbed feet. You're not even really thinking about it at the time. And then when he's like, I can show you dry dirt and he jumps into the water and he goes down to the world we used to know and he just grabs the bottom of it and then comes up and you're like, oh, he dries it. Oh, fuck. Like, of course that makes complete sense that mm-hmm. he would, he's able to go to the bottom and get dirt from there and like, <laughs> he can live as wealthy as he wants for the rest of how his did life. No one, how did no one, how did no one in Waterworld figure that out? How did no one, like, because he didn't go down miles and miles and miles and miles, right? Like, he went down far, but but not, I mean, his, his, you know, his, his lungs didn't collapse and his eardrums didn't pop and bleed because of the pressure. Like, how was there not a contest in Dennis Hopper's army to be like, okay, who can hold their breath the longest? Okay, you, go down, get some dirt, come up, we'll dry it in the sun, go. Like, how was there not, how was that not thought of? I feel like, I feel like that might have been a missed opportunity on Dennis Hopper's agenda. I don't know. Like, I think one of the things that I constantly question, though, and, you know, in the philosophy of my mind, in those 2 a.m. thoughts where you're just staring at the ceiling is we're landing on Mars, right? We're sending rovers to Mars and we're like, we have satellites taking up close pictures of Jupiter Mm -hmm. and planets out there. Yet, largely, the bottom of the ocean is unexplored. Like, we're going so far away that we don't know necessarily what's up. Like, there was that whole plane that went missing, what, five, six years ago? They're like, oh, it's probably in this deep part right here, but we just can't get to it. Like, why we haven't, why hasn't Elon Musk or Bill Gates figured out how to explore the deepest trenches of our world and found like these horrific fish monsters that sometimes swim up and or we animate in Finding Nemo. Like, Well, let's not forget that this, where he went to get the dirt wasn't the bottom of the ocean. It was formerly dry land. Right. So we don't, I don't think we know exactly how much water is covering the earth now, but we know that it's like... I mean, there were buildings, so it's at least a hundred or so feet. But you're right; like then beyond that exists the bottom of the actual ocean. <laughs> what was the dry land at the end? Do you know what 
uh, landmark that was. Wasn't it Mount Everest? Yeah, the top of Mount Everest. But it was like tropical now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So because they filmed in Hawaii, clearly. So it was the, it was like Mount Everest had survived, but it was now it wasn't snow covered anymore. It was, you know, lush forests, et cetera, et cetera. Did they I don't remember. Did they say that? Was there like a sign that they walked by or something like I welcome, don't know. Like I missed Mount it. Everest or something like that. <laughs> Maybe, you know, like the top of Mount they there's probably a plaque up there that says. Why did you why did you ask me that? Did you Because I didn't that? know. I did not realize that that was it's very possible that after I watched the movie, I read the Wikipedia immediately because I do that. And that's where it came from. So maybe it wasn't even in the movie. Maybe it was just an Easter egg. But the other thing that because what I think took me out of the movie in a good way, like I was like thinking like it was another time that Waterworld was smarter than me and surprised me was that they get on dry land and he he can't handle the stillness of it. Right. You know, like how we get sea legs. <laughs> He couldn't handle like the dry land. He's like, I got to go back out there. And I'm like, that, that makes sense. <laughs> I got land legs. Man, I got land legs. Yeah. I know I have to go now. Keep back for me. I like you. Why are you leaving? I don't belong here. I belong out there. Here. It's too strange here. It doesn't move right. Mom said that it's only land sickness. We're all feeling it. We'll go away soon. It's more than that. That's a good point. That reminds me of like, you know what that was? That was um when Brooks gets out of prison in the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. That was the same thing, except, you know, less sad. But Kevin Costner, like, you're right. That was a subtle detail that was included in the movie that, again, was overshadowed by him peeing in a cup <laughs> and drinking it. What do, what do the critics have to say about it? world well everybody mentions the the budget right as far as like what the ratings are it's 6.2 on imdb 47 percent rotten tomatoes 56 percent metacritic and 84 percent google looking at roger ebert uh who gave it two and a half stars out of four said the cost controversy aside Waterworld is a decent futuristic action picture with some great sets some intriguing ideas and a few images that will stay with me it could have been more it could have been better and it could have made me care about the characters it's one of those marginal pictures you're not unhappy to have seen what he said was not wrong but he definitely held on to the budget thing throughout that whole review like he he dismissed it at first and was like uh i'll mention it but it's not going to taint the rest of my review but it absolutely did right so i didn't want to look at anybody's critique of it that was going in because they did make such a huge issue with what the budget was back in the day you know like mm -hmm. now you don't even hear about it now they're like just throwing 400 at a million or 400 at a movie mm -hmm. but they're not tagging it as the most expensive movie like i don't Pirates on the Caribbean. It's, I it's don't remember a, anybody being like on Money, no. money is just money is such like a nebulous concept now. I mean, you hear you hear trillion dollars every day in the news, and it's just like it's meaningless. So to yeah. to to tout a movie as the most expensive movie is just like a. I mean, it's it's a pointless endeavor. So and so here's another thing that I want to bring up before I forget it, and before we move on to the review, I worked for a year for 15 months at Universal Studios 
Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And there we have the Waterworld live show. Oh, the stunt show, yeah. Like, yeah, the stunt show. Every hour since, I I don't know when it was uh, built, but it's, you know, probably has been going on for 20 years. Th that has to, there's three of those in the world going on, like a show every hour where people are packing the seats. There is no way that now it has only made $262 million, you know? Like, oh, yeah. This has bred a amusement park. How so, long? How long is that? I mean, I guess it would have had to start shortly after the movie, right? They would. Waterworld: A Live Sea War Spectacular is what it's called. We go to a futuristic world without land. It's Waterworld: A Live Sea War Spectacular. Waterworld is the most complex combination of death-defying stunts, pyrotechnics and the most high-tech special effects ever attempted. In a world long after the polar ice caps have melted, roving bands of pirates, led by the evil Deacon, do battle with the heroic Mariner on a desolate floating atoll. Racing across the water and flying through the air, the performers of Waterworld test the limits of human endurance while the show's remarkable special effects break new barriers in live entertainment. Putting on a show like Waterworld is the ultimate challenge for stunt people. Uh, unlike the movies, they do one stunt at a time. Here, we do a series of stunts over and over again. We have high falls, dives into water, fist fights, slide for life, we have a fire dive of over 40 feet. We have tons of high work and modified weapons using nothing but blanks, of course. We also have a lot of precision boat driving and the most extreme jet skiing you'll see anywhere in the world. All those pyro and fire effects can be very dangerous. So, to ensure the safety of the performers at all times, there are a series of safety enables that have to be triggered by the performers and technical people before each fire effect can ever go off. Wow! Waterworld blows everything else right out of the water. Found at Universal Studios Hollywood, which was built in 1995. So that's been going on for 26 years. That's Universal amazing. Studios, yeah, Universal Studios Japan since 2001. Universal Studios Singapore since 2010. And Universal Studios Beijing 2021. So whether it's opened yet or not, but they're still developing this ride. And how much, how much unobtainium do they sell in the gift shops there? Fuck you. <laughs> this is... This is, I mean, that's, that's, that's a testament, maybe not to the, to the movie itself, because Kevin Costner isn't a part of the stunt show. The, the grandiose sets and cinematography aren't a part of the stunt show, but the notion of a world trap of a, of a, of a planet trapped underwater and these people fighting to survive. I mean, that's part of the excitement. Yeah. So the guardian in July 30th, 2020 wrote an article about water world. Mm hmm. And I'm going to run this by you right now, and maybe I'll just edit it out. But I'm thinking for season three, mm -hmm. when I find these critical reviews, mm -hmm. usually I'm kind of just reading off the page. And, and as I re-listen to episodes, I'm like, eh, that's just me reading. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to ask Rudy to give theatrical performances of critical reviews. <laughs> that's for a great, that's a great idea. Cinema. If he's down, that's a great idea. <laughs> okay. So here's one of my last readings. <laughs> All right. 
Waterworld is Kevin Costner's damp squib, a cult classic in the making. With its shallow pleasures and a B-movie bravado, is the notorious box office bomb angling for a reprisal? Is the question this poses. Now, the opening paragraph talks about some of the things that we ourselves have talked about on Second Chance Cinema. When looking back at the most infamous films of the 1990s, Batman and Robin, Judge Dredd, and Star Wars The Phantom Menace spring to mind, it's easy to pinpoint why each failed so miserably. Joel Schumacher's superhero sequel had bat nipples, wooden acting, and a pantomime-level script. Judge Dredd (laughs) had a miscast Sylvester Stallone and rubbish comedy sidekick Rob Schneider, which is pretty mean. Um, (laughs) That is really mean. I was thinking that when you read it. I was like, wow, that's that's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) The Phantom Menace had Jar Jar Binks, plastic CGI, and abundant racist stereotyping. And yet it's harder to recall exactly why Kevin Reynolds' Waterworld, which hit cinemas 25 years ago this week, ended up being one of the worst Hollywood turkeys of all time, which it wasn't. I just want to point that out. Perhaps it's because it was released slap bang in the middle of a Hollywood decade, otherwise known for the return of sharp-edged indie filmmaking and really feels like a brash and bombastic 80s action flick. Maybe it's because Kevin Costner's taciturn acting style was unsuited to such an over-the-top adventure. Perhaps only James Cameron can make expensive movies about the sea that connect with audiences, but there isn't really anything notable about Waterworld to suggest it truly deserves such a low reputation. Dennis Hopper makes a fine villain as the one-eyed, ferociously acquisitive deacon, a man who wants to eat the world and its remaining resources, a feverish Gordon Gecko of the dystopian high seas. The action set pieces from the Mariners' battles with sea pirates to his underwater wrestling match with a giant mutant fish are preposterously ambitious yet pulled off with aplomb. His transforming Trimarian makes the Batmobile look like something from a secondhand toy shop. The humans are superbly decked out in post-apocalyptic future wear. If you're not looking to give your cerebrum an overly taxing workout, Waterworld is a thoroughly arousing, pleasingly throwaway 135 minutes. It should certainly not be considered the nadir of Costner's career when he also started movies like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and The Postman, which I don't know about The Postman, but I really liked Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Perhaps it's time to let those critical water levels fall back to reveal the existence of a perfectly watchable sci-fi cult classic. So this is a guy in 2020 saying this should be a cult classic. And I agree. Was that... It took me a minute to decide whether or not that was a good review or a bad review. That guy was worried. Well, it was British. <laughs> that guy was wordy, but um, the I mean, cult classic like by default, I would say, it, because it 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 came out in theaters, it did not do remarkably well. So by default, its only recourse is either to be forgotten or to become a cult classic. Because isn't that what a cult classic really is? Is a movie that didn't do well initially, but then picks up steam, you know, through DVD or through VHS or word of mouth or whatever. Yeah, it's like a popular underground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that's that's a good point I hadn't considered. I mean, Pulp Fiction had come out the year before, so that so there was definitely a like a new flavor of of movie that people were into, and Waterworld was the exact opposite of that flavor. So I wonder if that had something to do with it, where people were kind of itching for a fix of of the more simple, you know, character driven, intertwining stories that that came out of the indie films, but at the same time in like 95 96 and even 94 before that you had speed you had independence day um 
There's was another, Independence Day 94? I think Independence Day was 96. That's what I'm like. I'm wondering if because this is essentially kind of like a disaster film or I guess like the film <clears throat> after a disaster film. Yeah. If this was a summer blockbuster right before like this was the intro, like we should start doing summer blockbusters. So that 96, was... I remember you saw the trailer, right, of like the White House getting blown up and you're right. like, oh, fuck. like we had Terminator 2, I guess, before that. But I Terminator don't necessarily remember. Terminator 2 was 91. Yeah. So like that, what you just said, the the series on Netflix would be the prequel, I feel like, to Waterworld. The prequel and then like the easement into, like as Waterworld was becoming Waterworld, it would be like the polarized caps melting. Like I would, I would be, I would dovetail the day after tomorrow and then into Waterworld. <laughs> like Dennis Quaid's all like, hey, this water, this shit's going to turn into Waterworld. Nobody believes him. <laughs> um, Waterworld happens. Maybe he's survives maybe he dies but then fast forward and then there's kevin coster and then maybe that in between could be season one and then like as the prequel and then season two post water world where it's like the adventures of the mariner and his family on mount everest where he has to go to the boat every two hours because he gets land legs whatever so or whatever like you could doctor who it you know like we're just yeah. gonna follow this person on in in water world now like regardless what we're saying is this is ip right that Hollywood really needs to sink its teeth back into. I mean, again, I feel like if if Cobra Kai is any indication, and again, I can't stress enough how incomparable the fandom of the Karate Kid legacy and mythos is. But if Hollywood can do with Waterworld what they did with Cobra Kai, what they did even with like Star Trek and Stargate and mm-hmm. all those other sci-fi series that you know, went on and 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 were at least interesting. Twelve Monkeys had a series, I think, right? Starship Troopers had like eighteen sequels and a couple <laughs> cartoons or whatever. I mean, like, why not? Yeah, why Sci Fi Channel has not picked this up? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe it's a bitch to shoot on water. Maybe it's just something that we don't maybe, know. About. Maybe that maybe they're busy working on another Sharknado. I don't know. When we when we decided we were going to do Waterworld, I um went to go watch it and my wife was in the room and she said something the extent of oh my gosh Waterworld I love this movie so she was genuinely surprised number one that I was going to watch it and number two completely uninfluenced by the fact that we were going to talk about it and I think again it's very just refreshing it's just like I enjoyed the movie because I enjoyed the movie so yeah Waterworld is I feel like Waterworld is is a good example of a cursed movie only because again the sum of its parts overshadow what it is as a great story with unique characters and just a, an imaginative world a water world <laughs> yeah you hear about it all the time nowadays about the polar ice caps melting and we need to save the world and whatnot but water world in 1995 was the only film that had explored what our great 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 grandchildren might experience possibly if all the polar ice caps melt i mean it's if any of them are listening somehow right now through time travel or wormholes or quantum physics and whatnot do us a favor devote all your energy to filtering seawater instead of your pee because i think (laughs) that will serve you better in the long run bro you got anything to say before we sign off i think the only two things is when we first landed on this episode it was streaming on netflix i think that is no longer the case but you could stream waterworld for free on this new streaming app called peacock 
there's a lot of good movies on there. I had signed up. Uh, nobody has stolen my information yet. So it is safe okay. uh, and, and free peacock.com. There's a lot of good free movies. <laughs> really? on there. And then the last thing I want to say is that Dennis Hopper, the late great Dennis Hopper really enjoyed this f- movie. And what he said was, I thought Waterworld got a bad name for itself in the United States, but it did really well in Europe and Asia. I think the studio sort of shot themselves in the foot by announcing it was so over budget, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a failure. All this came out before we released it in the States, but I really enjoyed it. So, I mean, Dennis Hopper. So that's cool to hear him say that. I know very little about Dennis Hopper other than when I was in eighth grade, I wrote a fan letter to Jean-Claude Van Damme after having seen Speed and knowing how much I love Street Fighter. I wrote a fan letter to JCVD saying, hey, excuse me, Mr. Van Damme, you should make a Street Fighter sequel, maybe with Dennis Hopper as the villain because he's really good. <laughs> so that was my nod to the greatness of Dennis Hopper. And um, yeah, I mean, Waterworld is let's let's just say it right now. Waterworld is a good movie. Oh, I, thought, I got excited. I thought we were going to say it wasn't that bad. Oh, I thought we abandoned <laughs> that catchphrase because we because, did. But I thought suddenly you were coming back with it. I was like, are we doing this? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, no, I mean, because what I think Waterworld demands to be better than it wasn't that bad because Waterworld was a good movie. It was an expensive it was movie. A good movie. It was an expensive movie. It was a gossiped about movie. It was a overshadowed movie, but it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Second Chance Cinema. Please stay tuned after the show to find out how you can get at us with recommendations, comments, critiques, all that stuff. And in the meantime, check out Waterworld. Don't drink your pee and go outside and kiss your dirt because in about 400 years, 500 years, you might miss it. Absolutely. Second Chance Cinema signing off. I'm MC. I'm Sprout. Peace. Waterworld was produced by Gordon Company, Davis Entertainment, Licht Mueller Film Corporation. It was distributed by Universal Pictures. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film soundtrack, composed by James Newton Howard. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you can reach us at 2ndchancinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MC and Spro, or check us out on Instagram at 2ND Chan Cinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us, leave a review wherever you listen, and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to, as those simple steps make us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine super cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on, and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person. And if you're in the position to have to drink your own pee, don't. It won't help. At all. Thanks again to Jackson Boren. Enjoy your day.